But you should read Proverbs every now and then because um, when I first got saved, Proverbs was such a blessing to me because there's so much in there. It talks about wisdom, and, and I knew nothing. You know, when you know, when you don't know anything, wisdom is very valuable to you. Amen. There's only 31 chapters in in, in Proverbs, and you know, and you can essentially read a chapter every day and get get through the whole thing in a month. Uh, but it's just a good, it's just a good uh, book of uh, wisdom and information about dealing with life and dealing with circumstances. And, and really, the, the New Testament equivalent is not quite the same, but James is similar to, uh, to, in the New Testament as Proverbs is to the Old Testament. But I'm just really fond of Proverbs because it meant so much to me, especially when I was first saved and, and uh, uh, learning how to deal with people. You know, I was just a teenager. And, um, uh, you know, although we're pretty sure as teenagers we know everything, you know, I realized I didn't know anything. Uh, and so Proverbs was a, was a great blessing. But this one particular verse here in Proverbs chapter 12, it says, A man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth, and the recompense of a man's hand shall be rendered unto him. Uh, and and uh, especially that first part, that a man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. Uh, and uh, that word satisfied talks about re- your rewards, you know, how you're rewarded by the fruit of your mouth. And, and um, of course, we have the, the great blessing to be able to connect the Old Testament with the New Testament. Uh, and what we find is the reason why this is such a valuable and important verse is because faith is expressed by your words. You know, that faith is, is generally expressed by one of two ways, either by words or by action. Uh, and the primary way is by words. You know, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea. And so it's important how good, uh, how good your words are. Uh, and Proverbs tell us that you'll be satisfied and rewarded with good by the fruit of your mouth. So, so what is coming out of, what words are coming out of your mouth, right? Are they words of faith or are they words of doubt and unbelief, you know? And, and of course, even in a church, uh, even if you're taught this a thousand times, it's easy to fall back into the way of the world because you go out in the world and they say, oh, it's just, you know, it's just getting worse every day and, uh, you know, uh, ask them how they're doing. You know, there's certain people, I won't even ask how they're doing uh, because if you say, how's it going? You know, they back the dump truck up, and, and, and you're buried for an hour, right? Uh, and, and, you know, and you just want to know, you really don't even care, right? Because you're just, you know, you're just saying things, right? You know how it goes, right? You know, uh, I mean, we care, but you don't really care. You know, I mean, you know, if they're on their deathbed, fine, right? But, uh, but some people, you know, uh, and it's just everything's the terrible, the worst thing, tornadoes or hurricanes, dog ate the cat, cat ate the mouse, you know, and all. I mean, it's just everything's just terrible. Uh, and uh, but how is that the fruit of their, their mouth? You know, uh, does everybody have things to deal with? Everybody has things to deal with. But see, uh, what's the fruit of your mouth? I'm an overcomer. I'm, a, I'm the victor in the Lord. I cannot be defeated. I cannot be overcome. Uh, the, the greater one lives in me. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You know, those are all just simple Bible verses. And, and that's how we, we get rewarded and get satisfied uh, with the fruit of my mouth. I, I want to produce fruit when I speak. Uh, if, I, if I'm speaking about all the things the devil's doing, then it's all just shriveled up and, and uh, uh, of no value. Amen? The, the words that come out. Uh, and so we, we want to be satisfied with the fruit of our mouth. Uh, and, and it doesn't mean that, you know, sometimes if someone says something, you know, uh, hey, I noticed you weren't feeling well. You know, you, you, I mean, it's not that you, don't, you have to lie. Oh, I'm, I'm feeling fine uh, if you're not feeling fine. But, you know, you can just say, well, you know, usually what I say is my body and I are having a disagreement. Uh, and it'll straighten up. Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just, I'm not going to glorify the problems that I have. Amen? Uh, and so, because we can connect uh, verses from the Old Covenant into the New Covenant, and we can understand why is this verse so valuable to us. Uh, I want to be rewarded and satisfied. And I'm, uh, that happens because I produce good fruit from my mouth. And the fruit that I'm producing is fruit of faith, right? I'm declaring what the Word says about me, that I'm an overcomer, that, that uh, I have overcome the whole world uh, by my faith. This is the victory that over, overcome the world, even my faith. Uh, and so I believe that because it's what it says, but I have to declare it by faith for it to actually be a value in my life. Uh, and so, you know, there's just, if there's things I'm dealing with, I'll just uh, double up in prayer and confession uh, throughout the week just on my own just you know if this is going on whatever's going on i'll just get up every morning and just declare what's going to happen here's what's going to happen by faith 
uh, instead of uh, declaring all my woes and difficulties and problems, I declare what the solution is by faith. Uh, and, and in doing that, then I'll be satisfied with the fruit of my mouth because of the fruit of my mouth. Um, and so uh, that, that's, that's such a simple thing, and people will fight you. I mean, they will fight you over a verse like this because they want to say whatever they want to say. Oh, it don't matter what I say, you know. Well, you know, all right. Well, let's just compare notes at the end of our lives, right, and see, see where you're at and see how you got there, amen. Uh, and so I, I want to produce... Uh, good things in my life. I want to produce good fruit in my life. And I do that uh, primarily by the words that I declare because all of, all of your tomorrow is based upon what you're saying and doing today. Uh, and so if I'm saying good things and producing good fruit, then I'll, I'll reap that fruit tomorrow or the next day, the day after that. If all I'm doing is glorifying the devil and, and telling of all the things that he's doing in my life, uh, well, first of all, I'm acting like I can't do anything about it. Well, you can. If the devil's operating in your life, Tell them to leave, uh, you know, and so don't let them hang around. Uh, if it's sickness and disease or, or, or sadness or depression, speak to him. Uh, I'm an overcomer, amen, and you'll be rewarded uh, uh, with the fruit of your mouth, amen. Uh, and so that's, that's such a, that, I mean, that's just one nugget out of all of, um, out of the book of Proverbs, but it's such a valuable thing, amen. Your confession is very valuable to you, amen, very valuable to your future, valuable to the future of your children, uh, of your job, of, of uh, your church, you know, of everything that, that you're involved with, uh, your, your future is, is so dependent upon what you're saying today, amen? Uh, and it's not just happenstance, it's not just, well, you know, if God wants me to have it, uh, well, he, he tells you here how to have it, is declare the things, the good things with the fruit of your mouth, amen? Uh, and so let's stand and greet each other for just a minute, and we'll get into praise and worship. Habit the phrases that repeat. And you, Father, are worthy of all praise and honor. You, Father, are worthy for us to lift up our hands and to declare your goodness. You, Father, are worthy of all praise and worship. We sing to your goodness, Father. We sing about your kindness. Thank you, Father you've been so good to us we are the people of God we are the children of the most high father there's nothing that you withheld from us there's nothing you wouldn't give us and nothing you wouldn't deliver us from father you love your very own people Thank you, Father, for the sweet presence of your spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we worship you. And we thank you, Father. And Father, we give you all praise and honor for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? Amen. He's good all the time. Amen. He's so kind to us. And, you know, the, the Lord, all he knows how to do is to be good. Amen. And um, on occasion, uh, come across Christians who, uh, I don't just they just never got the memo. You know, people are just, God's out to get them and God's mad at them and, uh, and, um, you know, I was at a uh, talking with a banker one time, and you know, we—he didn't know me very well, and he asked me what I did, and I told him I, I'm a pastor, and he said, uh, "You've got a hard boss," and I'm thinking, hey, "You obviously have never met him." I mean, if you've ever met him, you know he's the most gracious, kind boss that you could ever have. Amen. Uh, and um, yeah, I mean, he expects a lot of out of us, but I never have a problem with that. I had a um, uh, I had my, one of my first bosses when, when I got out of college, he, uh, I worked uh, in the aerospace industry, and, and this fellow, he was British. And being, uh, I don't know if it's because he was British or just because he was who he was, Malcolm was his name, good British name. And uh, uh, part of my job was to produce uh, 
reports, right, uh, uh, analytical reports for the space industry. And uh, you got paid by the pound, I think, because I mean, we'd produce these reports that would be, you know, a thousand pages long on all this analysis we would do in these things. And man, he would just, he'd mark up those things. I mean, he'd probably go through three red pens, you know, just marking up your reports, you know. And, and it wasn't just uh, technical, it was like, you know, improper use of a verb, you know, pronoun, wrong pronoun here, you know, you know, you got a hanging participle over here, you know, whatever that is. And uh, I mean, he'd just, just butcher these reports. And so, uh, me and, and uh, another lady that worked, we, we worked together in one of these reports, we're, we're going to beat Malcolm, you know, because he, he expected, as an engineer, you know, English is not uh, generally your first language, right? Math is your first language, right? Uh, and so English is about fourth down the list as an engineer, and so most engineers don't care, right? Uh, they don't know grammar very well, they don't know how to spell very well, uh, and they don't care, but Malcolm cared, uh, and he expected a lot out of us, and so we rose to the occasion. We, man, we, we read this report backwards and forwards, and you know, there's, he'll find nothing in this report. And we turned it in, and came back, and had red, red stuff all over it. And um, we, went, we finally went to him after we corrected everything. He said, I just had to make up a few things there because I couldn't find anything wrong with it the first time. You know? But he wouldn't let it go. He, he wouldn't give us the satisfaction of being a perfect report. Uh, but that's okay. He expected a lot out of us, amen, because he knew we could do it. and, and um, in fact, uh, when, when I was a uh, uh, freshman, I was taking, uh, I was taking a, a writing class as, uh, you know, I'm still an engineer or, or training to be an engineer, and I had to take a lot of English and grammar and things, and, uh, and I just didn't care about it, you know. I just, you know, just, I like the computers and the math and all that stuff, you know, and all this grammar stuff, and so, you know, I'd get dinged on, on my, my, my uh, papers, and so I thought, I'm going to just go all out, you know, I'm going to really work at it, write this paper, do good. And I did. I turned it in, and I got it back. And, and the, the, the professor, she wrote on it and said, uh, good work. And, and then she said, doesn't sound like you. <laughs> so I don't know if she was implying that I cheated or lied or what, but uh, I didn't cheat or lie. It was just, you know, I just put some effort into, you know, because I hated to tell them, well, you know, your job is a waste of my time, you know, but, you know, you hate to tell people that. Uh, and so, uh, but, um, you know, the Lord does expect a lot out of us, but he provides us with all the tools and ability to, to do well. Amen. He's given us his word. He's given, given us a spirit. He's put his word on the inside of us and his spirit on the inside of us. He died. He shed blood for us. There's just no reason why we can't be successful in this life. Amen. No reason. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, the Lord desires, good, uh, desires for us to, to do well. Amen. Uh, and so uh, I think we can do it. Uh, we have all the tools to do it. Amen. There's no real, there's no reason, there's no biblical reason why we can't be successful. Uh, people, you know, can give me all kinds of excuses. And after a while, I, all I hear is blah, 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 because it, it's just, uh, you're telling me that that thing is greater than the word of God, that that situation is bigger than the blood of Jesus. That uh, circumstance is greater than the spirit of almighty God who lives on the inside of you, who created everything we see Somehow your situation is bigger than all three of those things. Uh, and uh, that's, that's really a, a big ask for me to believe that uh, because it's not true, right? I mean, we know it's not true. Uh, but um, uh, so uh, we are here in Matthew chapter 7. We talked about uh, judgment uh, last couple of weeks. There's one more thing I just wanted to mention uh, related to that. Uh, you know, we talked a lot about about. Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged. And he's talking about judging other people, right? Because the whole context here is about your brother who's got a tiny little problem in his life and, and all you want to do is focus on their problem. You know, a lot of times we do that because we're deflecting attention from ourselves. Uh, you ever, you ever uh, gone to somebody and try to confront them about something or talk about something and they just explode and they just scream and holler like you've stuck them with a, with a, with a knife or something? Well, why are they doing that? They're, they're just trying to mask the issue, right, by, by overriding the circumstance with their emotions and try to get you to back down. Uh, and of course, you know, if you do this long enough, you just look at them, wait for the crying and the hollering to stop, and you do continue, right? Uh, but a lot of times they'll try to hide and mask the situation uh, that they're, that's going on in their life by either sometimes they'll point the finger at you. Well, what about you? Well, we could talk about me, but let's talk about you first, because that's, you know, I started this conversation, and so, uh, so, uh, Jesus is talking about, you know, we need to stop judging each other. 
You know, I hear this all the time. People will just, especially we talked about judgment uh, primarily. If you have no authority in a situation, then you have no business judging in a situation. Amen. You know, somebody sees somebody, you know, uh, they're driving a nice car. I can't believe they bought that, ni- that nice car. You know, they can't afford that. What's it to you? Are you their, are you their banker? Are you, are, are you their dependent? What's it to you? What, what do they drive, right? Uh, yeah, I can't believe they've got those nice clothes, spending all that money. They, they spent over $100 on those, on those tennis shoes. I don't care. None of my business, you know. Uh, I mean, you know, if they, now if they come to me and they need some financial assistance, I may ask them, well, well how much you pay for those shoes? $100. Well, so you paid $100 for those shoes, but you can't pay your electric bill. Well, let's get your priorities straight, right? And I've, de- I mean, I've dealt with people over the years many times with financial difficulties. You know, you know, ask them a lot of questions like, well, do you tithe? Well, no. Well, okay, we can't go past that. Um, well, I can't afford to tithe. You could afford to pay for those $100 tennis shoes, right? Uh, and so, you know, sometimes if, but in that situation, see, they're giving me the authority to, to have a conversation with them. Uh, and, uh, you know, I had one fellow come and ask for some financial assistance. And, and I said, well, let's, and he said, uh, it was with my pastor's church. And um, he said, you know, if you don't give me financial assistance, I'm going to lose my house. I said, okay, well, well let me know. Uh, tell me, where do you spend your money? Well, I don't want to tell you that. But you want us to give you money, but you don't want to tell me where you've spent your money. I mean, you've got money. You're making money. You work. But where did that go? Well, I don't want to tell you that. Well, then, you know, I can't really help you because if you tell me, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm paying for, you know, whatever. I mean, you know, people uh, uh, back in the day when, when cell phone plans were expensive, people would have cell phones and they can't afford their, their pay their uh, electric bill or buy groceries. So why do you have a cell phone? And one fellow, I have to have one. No, you don't have to have anything, right? Because again, if you say I have to have something or I have to do something, what you're saying is there's nothing in the word or by the spirit of God that can override this. This is a law set in concrete that cannot be overridden either by the word of God or by the spirit of God. Uh, and therefore, Lord, do not talk to me about this cell phone. Okay, well, he won't. But, but see, is it true that you have to have that? Well, no. In fact, uh, uh, I, I gave him the scripture that Timothy says, with food and raiment or food and clothes, therewith be content. I mean, you know, you've got to have food and clothes, right? But after that, I mean, the, the list of things you've got to have is pretty slim, slim after that, amen? But people say, oh, I had to have that. I had to have that car. You ever... You ever I got to have that car. Really? You got to have that car. Well, 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 usually what happens is that car has you, right, after that, because then you're, then you're feeding the monster, right? You got to feed that thing. Uh, but again, uh, if, it's, if it's outside, see, if they're, not, if they're not asking me to assist them, you know, I can look at people and, and I can observe that, well, yeah, they, they bought that. I know they don't have the money to buy that and, and it may not work out well for them. None of my business, though. I'm not going to run around. I can't believe they bought that. Well, see, then I'm judging them. Uh, it's not in my business. If, if it's not your business, don't make it your business. We get in so much trouble in a church by making things that aren't our business our business. You know, you know people all the time come into church, and how many people, we've talked about that, how many people have left church or don't go to church because they get judged about what they wear or how they talk or, you know, where they're from or what color they are or what nationality they are. You just all kinds of things. People get judged for all kinds of things. And the church doesn't need to be in that business. There is a judge in heaven. Uh, and, and that's why I, you know, I, I declare, and I would encourage you to, to, to uh, especially if you've been prone to this, start declaring with your own mouth, I am no man's judge. I say that all the time. I am no man's judge. I'm not going to judge you over your good decisions or your bad decisions. It's just none of my business. If you come and ask for help, you know, I'll have to ask you about some of those things. And, and, and maybe there's more information to that than I know. And sometimes there's not. Maybe you're just really making bad decisions. Okay, fine, but, you know, we can talk about it. But all I'm going to do is tell you what the Word says. And, and, and so I'm not judging you. If the Word says don't do that, then, then the Word is judging you. Amen. Uh, but uh, uh, the scripture I wanted to read to finish up this discussion is in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, and um, uh, I think it would be good just to go over there and, and read a couple of verses in that, in that context there. And so the, in the context of this, he's talking about, he's talking about taking communion. And, and this is the... the church at Corinth, and the church at Corinth was filled with a bunch of carnal people. Uh, Paul told them earlier, you are, you are carnal and walk as mere unchanged men. That's what he told them. <laughs> you know, and so don't ever get mad if I, if I you know, say them something about you, right? Because, uh, I mean, he, he just was really straightforward with them. You are carnal and walk as mere unchanged men. Uh, and so 
And when they would receive communion, it, it, was, it was a feast, right? Communion is a time where we gather together as a people of God. And he's, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. And so we do it to remind ourselves what Jesus has done. Well, they weren't doing that. They were eating. Oh, bread, give me a big chunk of, you know. Of course, back then, it wasn't like, you know, we got these manufactured, you know, pre-manufactured little dry cracker pieces of bread uh, that's perfectly uniform. Well, they would just have a loaf of bread, and they'd pass it around. You'd rip a chunk off of it, and that was your communion bread after everybody touched it, right, with their grubby little fingers. Uh, and, um, uh, and so what they were doing is they were consuming large quantities of bread because they were hungry or whatever. Uh, and really being selfish about it. And, and instead of taking the time to focus on the Lord, they were focusing on, well, I'm hungry. I'm, I'm getting me an extra big piece of communion bread, right? And then uh, uh, can I get seconds on that wine? Uh, and so, so they, they were saying, uh, Paul was saying here, that this is an issue, right? Uh, and so uh, he said, he starts out with, uh, uh, well, I mean, uh, he, this whole thing is talking about that, uh, but um, uh, instead of reading the whole thing here, let's start it down in verse, uh, uh, in verse 25. It says, Jesus, well, in verse 24, and when he had taken, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. So why do we receive communion? To remember what Jesus has done for us, right? I mean, that's it's the, pretty basic. It's not really super uh, spiritual or deep or, or, or hard to understand, it's, we do this to remind ourselves what Jesus has done in remembrance of him, what, what he has done for us. After the same manner, he also he took the cup, which when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. Or new, that word testament is also translated as covenant. New Testament, new covenant in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So we're remembering what Jesus did for us. And, and so we're thankful that he did these things for us. So that's the purpose of receiving communion, is to remember what Jesus has done. He said, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death to, till he comes, or proclaim what he has done uh, in his death till he comes. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily or in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and blood of, of the Lord. Uh, and so, you know, when you, when you show disrespect to the communion uh, uh, tradition that the, the church holds, you're showing, he said, you're showing uh, disrespect to the Lord. You're eating in an unworthy manner. Now, you're not unworthy, but the manner that you're eating it is unworthy. Uh, in other words, you know, there are things that we should honor uh, with the Lord. You know, uh, uh, we're here in a service. We honor this sanctuary as a service, as an opportunity to gather together as his people. That's why, you know, we don't, we don't order pizza in while we're, we're having service, right? We can have pizza, but we can do that afterwards, Amen. But during the service, you know, it's polite not to eat during the service. Amen. I know some churches set up tables and they're eating, you know, and if it's a special service for something like that, you know, I, again, I don't care. None of my business. But, you know, we would typically wouldn't do that here. Uh, you know, we should honor this presence. Amen. A lot of people are dishonorable to the Lord during service. Amen. Uh, and they're, you know, they're up, you know, they're talking to each other, not about the service, but just, you know, hey, uh, where are you guys going to go lunch today or? Hey, you know, did you hear about the ball game? Or, you know, uh, uh, you know, there's somebody talking. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, but, and that, so that's what he's talking about here is, is the opportunity to gather together and receive communion is an opportunity to remember what Jesus has done for us. It's not an opportunity for you to, to feed yourself. Amen. Uh, and, and if that's your primary goal, then, you're, then how you're doing it is unworthy. And Paul spends nearly an entire chapter uh, on this discussion. So it's kind of a big deal, you know, though, what's the big deal about it? Well, if the Lord, as the head of the church, told Paul to spend a whole chapter talking about that, then there are some things that are important, amen? Uh, and if it's important to the Lord, then it should be important to us. Well, it doesn't matter, you know, it's just, I'm hungry, I just need to, you know, feed me. You know, even if somebody came in off the street hungry, that's not the time to feed them, amen? That's the time to remember, remind them what Jesus has done for them. We can give them a box of food if they want after that, uh, and so... Uh, so he said, but let a man, uh, in verse 28, but let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So uh, part, of the, part of the communion is the bread which represents the Lord's body. Uh, and, and the purpose of, of taking the communion, specifically for the Lord's body, is to remind ourselves that we are the healed of God. 
Yeah. And so uh, when, when, you're, when you're not giving the right, uh, the right honor to that bread, then you're saying the, the, what the Lord did with his body is of no value to me. Well, then you're saying that healing is of no value to you. And that's what he's saying, that uh, when, you're, when you're dishonoring the bread, you're dishonoring what Jesus did for you by the work of his body, by providing healing for you. Uh, and so you're not discerning, you're not understanding and valuing uh, what the Lord did for you. Uh, and so, you know, if the Lord decided this is important, then it should be important to us. He said, for this cause, well, what's the cause? When people dishonor the Lord, for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. Well, that word sleep there means die, right? Uh, we talked about how uh, in the New Testament, oftentimes when, when children of God die, they, they talk about being asleep. Well, that means they're, 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 uh, they didn't die spiritually uh, and they're in heaven with the Lord, but physically they have died, right? They have con- they ceased to, to function in this natural world. And so for this cause, by not honoring the Lord, many, no, not one, right? Many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. Well, so, so he's saying that the cause for uh, sometimes when people are weak and sickly or die prematurely, it's just simply not honoring, honoring the Lord. Well, see, that's a good place to start, right? Are you weak and sickly? Are you near death? Well, I mean, I'm not judging anybody because I don't know, but the first, first question to ask is, well, Lord, have I dishonored you in any way? Have I not discerned your body in any way? I, I mean, if, if he said there's a cause for people being weak and sickly, and here's what the cause is, well, then that'd be a good place to start, right? If, you're, if you fall into this category of verse 30, that uh, you're weak or sickly uh, and you're near death, well, I mean, it may not be. You may not be uh, dishonoring the Lord. You know, you might be doing fine in that area, but it wouldn't hurt to ask, amen? Because if you said there's a reason for this, you know, a, a wise person, right, back to Proverbs, a wise person would say, well, Lord, let's just cover this base, right? You know, uh, uh, I told you about being an engineer. Well, one of the things about being an engineer when you're solving an engineering problem is you've got 50,000 things that could be the problem. And so you've got to start with one of them. Well, is this the problem? You don't, you don't ignore it and say, well, this is probably not a problem. No, as an engineer, you, 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 you calculate it, you analyze it, you run the numbers to, to remove that as a possibility. You don't just act like it may not be a possibility. You, you do the work to, to ensure that it's not an issue. Uh, and so yeah, if you're weak or sickly, you know, it would be to your advantage to, to find out, Lord, is this an issue or not? Maybe the answer is no. And the answer is no, that's great, right? But there is an answer. There, there's always an answer, amen? There's always an answer why if you're... Uh, now, look, it's, uh, if you just get sick once every uh, whatever, a thousand years, uh, you know, it may not be for any reason other than just it's a thousand years, right? Uh, but, it, but some people are chronically like this way. I would go to the Lord. If I was that way, I'd go to the Lord. Lord, what's up? You know, you know, I remember a friend of mine was, uh, in a short period of time, he just kept getting hurt, banged his head, you know, stubbed his toe, smashed his finger, you know, whatever, tripped and fell. Just, I mean, it was a, a constant thing. And, and I asked him, I said, have you, have you gone to the Lord? Because the Old Testament says that he would give uh, uh, his angels charge over us to keep us in all of our ways, lest we what? Dash our foot against a stone. So, so, you know, you stub your toe once every 10 years or whatever. I don't, there's no number. Uh, no big deal. If I did it every day for a week, I'd be like, Lord, what's up? What am I doing wrong? Because you said you'd give your angels charge over me. Didn't he say that, right? Psalm 91. Didn't he say that? And, and if I start living in such a way where it seems like the angels aren't doing their job, well, unless I got a dud angel, which there are no dud angels, right? You know, because people are like, my angel, he's not doing his job. Really? You're going to put that on your angel? I mean, he answers to the Lord himself. You think he's going to be more concerned about that than, than taking care of you? Uh, I think he's going to do his job. Amen. No, I'd be like, Lord, what am I doing? What am I doing that, that keeps me from allowing the angels to, to protect me and watch over me? Uh, in, in fact, you know, if something happens, you know, if I get hurt, you know, it doesn't happen very often, but if I get hurt, I'll talk to the thing. How dare you hurt me? a board fall and hit me on the head. You better never do that again. I'll talk to the thing. You know, I know this sounds crazy, but you know, uh, this world, uh, you know, uh, I'm here uh, by the direction of the Lord. Amen. And nothing is supposed to harm me in any way. Uh, and, and so 
and I, this is the way I live. You know, I don't, you know, uh, maybe you don't, maybe you don't think that way, but, uh, but see, he said, for this cause. So there's a reason. There's a reason for some things, amen? Some things is not a reason. You know, some, sometimes, sometimes things just happen, amen? Uh, and and uh, you've got you've to judge that for yourself. Uh, he said, but then we get down to verse 30. He said, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Uh, and, and he said, but when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we would not be condemned with the world. And so two things there. Number one is just judge yourself. Just, if you'll spend more time judging yourself than everybody else around you, you'll be fine. Amen? But see, most people that are very judgmental never own a mirror. They never look to themselves. They never look at the beam in their own eye. They're always finding a fault in somebody else's eye. And, and it's exhausting to be around people like that. It's like, have you, I mean, just really? You're going to judge them for that? It's none of your business about that, right? Uh, who cares? Well, they shouldn't do that. Well, what's it to you, right? Uh, you know, you give somebody some money. I can't believe they spent that money on that thing. Well, I thought you gave it to him. Was there a string attached to you, back to you, that says you're only allowed to spend this on certain things? I mean, you know, uh, if, if somebody gives me something and, and their string's attached, be like, no, thank you, you know. Uh, and if you give me money, I'm going to spend it however I want to. Well, I, you shouldn't have spent money in that way. I thought it was mine. I, I could go to the backyard and burn it for all that matter if it's mine, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, it's the same thing. People give money to the church. Well, you know, you need to do, th- to do this. I mean, it's different if you mark on your offering, this is for the building or whatever, and we're, we're legally obligated to, to spend that money on that thing. Uh, but if you're just a, a giver and you come up and say, well, I'm a giver of this church, you know, uh, uh, you know, I demand that you not teach so long or whatever. Teach on this subject. No. You know, it, there's no strength. You're not buying me, amen? Uh, and, and so you're not buying access with your giving. Some people, it's rare, but some people think that, right, because they're a big giver. Uh, in fact, when we were doing our um, uh, charter for the church, uh, one of the options you can do is to uh, officially become a, a 501c3 charitable organization. It's an official uh, uh, designation from the IRS. Uh, and you can do that, but when I, w- when I was reading and studying about should I do that or not? I was reading the IRS documentation, and the IRS documentation says if you are a church, you do not have to declare yourself as a 501c3. Uh, and, um, and the reason why is because the, the, the little thing called the First Amendment says that Congress shall, shall make no laws uh, basically regarding the church. And so they can't make a law that says if you're a church, you have to, you have to be a, an official organization. So now they're making a law that says if you're going to church, we have to officially recognize you. That's, they can't do that. It's against the Constitution. And, you know, it's the, the people that wrote the Constitution are so much smarter than the people that are around today, right? Uh, and so we're thankful for that, amen? Because if it's today, they'd be like, oh, yeah, if a church, you've got a, uh, you know, like a friend of mine, he's got a church over in Ireland. They have to do all kinds of things just to be recognized as a charity, all kinds of documentation and proof that they're doing things. And it's like, no, not in the, not in the United States because the Lord is smarter than everybody. And so we set up this, this amazing Constitution. And so, uh, so, I, so I thought, well, you know, this seems to be the thing, though. Everybody does that. And so I asked uh, a couple of lawyers, a couple of CPAs, why do people do that? Why do churches do that? And they always gave me the exact same answer. They said, if somebody uh, is a large giver and they want, want the protection that, uh, that you are a 501c3, then, then some big givers want that extra protection. I'm like, no, I'm not doing something, you know, to, to satisfy. If you want to give, you give. If you don't want to give, I don't care. Amen? I mean, I do want you to give, but at the same time, uh, you're giving to the Lord. It's a fringe benefit that we get a tax write-off, but that's not why we give. You know, we give because the Lord has blessed us. Amen? And we want to honor Him in our giving. Uh, And according to the IRS, we are a charitable organization as a church. Now, if I'm a traveling minister, I would have to uh, officially declare myself as a 501c3 and fill out all the paperwork because a, a traveling minister is not recognized as a church, right, according to the Constitution. So that's a different discussion. But a church, if we look like a church, act like a church, sound like a church, then we're a church, and, and, and by default, we are a charitable organization. Amen? Uh, and so, uh, but uh, even in that, I'm, I'm not going to uh, do all this work so that somebody can feel better about their giving. Because to me, that just doesn't make any sense. Amen? It's a, it, for, first of all, it's a lot of work to be a 501c3. You've got to send the 
I got to send, I would have to send paperwork on all of you all when you give. I'd have to send the IRS documentation about how much money you give, what your name is, right? All these things. I have to, uh, I have to designate where I spend all the money. Well, well, I don't want to do any of that stuff. I want to answer to you all, right? We tell you where we spend our money, and that's good enough for me, amen? Uh, and so, so uh, we need to judge ourselves uh, and, and just leave everybody else alone. If you have authority, then you have a right to judge up to a certain amount, up to a certain extent. But if you have no authority in somebody's life, then just leave it alone. Well, I don't think they should. Well, what's it to you? Amen. How many people fuss over, over televangelists that, that fly jet airplanes? Well, I can't believe they'd fly jet airplanes. What's it to you? Uh, you know, well, they cost a lot of money. So is the Lord short of money? I mean, what, you know, I can't believe they buy that big house. What's it to you? I mean, people will excoriate these men uh, on TV. They've they got a 25,000 square foot house. So? Nobody needs a house that big. What's it to you? Are you their judge? You know, and, and people will get very self-righteous about these things uh, and, and just, just go all, you know, they're all wrong for doing that. What's it, how do you know that it, somebody didn't give it to them? You know, uh, uh, Brother Hagen was famous for wearing a, a presidential Rolex watch, right? It had gold and got a little diamond you know, things on it, probably, you know, back then, probably cost $25,000 or more, you know, for a Rolex like that. And, and he'd just wear it, you know. People get so mad at him. But, but a lot of people didn't know that it was a gift. Somebody gave it to him. And, you know, if somebody gave me a presidential Rolex, I'd probably wear it, you know. Sometimes you wear it just because it's nice to stick your thumb in some of the devil's eyeballs, right? Just, you know, hey, did you see my Rolex, you know? Now, I wouldn't be bragging about it, but unless somebody was really mad about it, then I might for them, right? Uh, but otherwise, I would, it, it, it doesn't mean anything to me. I mean, the, the natural things just don't mean anything to me. Uh, and so, but it does to other people. And so, but other people would judge, judge you for doing that. You know, I'm going to live my life the way that, uh, to the best of my ability, the way the Lord wants me to live it. And if that makes people happy, that's great. If it makes people unhappy, I really don't care, right? Uh, and, and so, uh, now I'm not trying to see that the, the, where we get an error is when we intentionally do things to intentionally uh, insult or offend people, amen? Uh, but sometimes if it's a devil, I think it's probably okay, right? You know, going to offend the devil, that's probably okay. Uh, but I'm not going to do things with the intention of harming people, amen? Uh, but at the same time, I'm not going to live my life in fear that if I do this, somebody's going to be offended. You know, if my heart says it's okay, then I'm just going to do it, amen? And if you don't like it, well, that's fine, right? Uh, and so, because uh, I'm going to judge myself, uh, and I'm not going to be in the business of judging other people. People judge the pastor so many times, amen, about, you know, what he teaches on or what he says, and uh, big churches, little churches, doesn't matter. You know, I've told you some of the stories about people judging me uh, to no end, and I'm thinking, uh, I, I know one time we were, uh, we, we were eating here with some people uh, at the church, and, uh, you know, I asked someone, hey, would you, would you uh, like something to drink? Well, we got, well, I got some diet soda, you know, we got to, uh, and, and they got so mad. Well, I don't put that poison in my body. I mean, you know, just... Like, and they were judging me like I'm a terrible person because I drank a diet soda. I'm thinking, you're judging me, and, and would you like a list? You know, I'm trying to help you here by spending some time with you, uh, and, and they never caught it. They never caught on. They judged me because I can't believe you drink a diet soda. Whatever, right? I mean, you know, uh, just people just funny, right? Uh, but they were so almost rude about it. Well, I don't put that poison in my body. Well, you put other thoughts of poison in your body because I hear it comes out of your mouth. And, and you gossip about everybody, gossip about other pastors, gossip about other ministers. You know, they said about one minister, it's all, they're all, it's all about them. Everything they do is all about them. Well, how do you know that? And are you their judge? Or did you, you know, I know one thing when, when, uh, when I was with my pastor, we got in a really bad habit as a church. We'd have guest ministers come and then like the service after that, uh, people would just raise hands. Pastor, uh, what, what about the, that verse that they used over there? And he, well, you all think about it. Well, you know, I think he was wrong using that verse. Well, you know, he, that definition wasn't right. And, and, and you know, I, he did, you know, and it was like, really? And I'm in the sound booth, you know. I'm like, what have y'all given up for the Lord? These people have given up everything to be in the ministry full time and travel the world, uh, you know, by faith for the most part. And you go home to your comfortable bed every night and your, your, your nine to five job every day 
uh, and you get a nice paycheck every week, uh, and, and uh, you know exactly where your income is, and these people have to live by faith every day. Uh, and you're all sitting there judging the, this guy. Uh, just, I mean, just, just so, it was just so embarrassing that people would just have this minister for lunch, you know. Uh, and, and uh, you know, if I had been a guest minister there and found out about that, I'd never go back to a church like that. You know, why would you go? Because no matter what you say, they're going to find, because it was fault finding. It, it, it wasn't about these wonderful things, you know. Uh, in fact, they, during one of them, they, they, they asked me, the pastor asked me, well, Chip, what do you think about it? And I just said, uh, Pastor, I said, I'm so thankful that the Lord is merciful every day. And you could just hear that. Because, <laughs> you know, they wanted me to, to, to pile up on, on that minister, right? Well, the Lord's merciful. So what if he made a mistake? If he did make a mistake, is the Lord merciful? And we're going to throw away everything he said because of the one mistake he made and misquoted a verse or, you know, said that Moses part of the, the, the or, or Noah part of the Red Sea instead of Moses or something like that, right? Uh, and so, uh, but people will judge that. And, and uh, Paul said, you need to judge yourself. Uh, and, and so it'd be helpful for us to spend that time in judging ourselves. And if it's outside of us, it's pretty much none of our business, amen? Uh, unless somebody makes it our business, right? If they come into your, into your little sphere of influence and they try to do things, well, then you can say, no, you're not doing that. You know, you're wrong, you're not doing that. And that's fine, right? And, and I don't have a problem with that. And if, and if the word is clear about something, I got no problem saying, well, you're wrong because of what the word says, you know? People, oh, you're judging me. I'm not judging you at all. The word says that you're wrong. Uh, and so, uh, but uh, there's a lot of things that, that you can do that two people could do the same thing. One could do, be wrong in doing it. The other person could be right in doing it because they're hearts, amen? And so I'm not going to get into judging your heart. That's between you and the Lord. Uh, and so if you ask my opinion, if the Lord has an opinion about it, maybe I'd give it to you. But a lot of times be like, well, whatever, you know? A lot of times people think that because I don't tell them they're wrong that they think that I approve of what they're doing. But none of my business, right? Hey, pastor, you know, I'm going to lay out our church for six months. Okay. And they, they leave and say, well, the pastor didn't say anything about it, so I guess he's okay with me laying out a church. No, I'm not okay with you laying out a church for six months. But I'm, gonna, I'm not going to correct you and, and rebuke you because it's not my job. The, the, you know, you got the Holy Ghost in you. Amen. So a lot of times people think that I approve when I, when I, because I have not voiced a disapproval. Well, I've learned that because I'm not, I'm not your judge. Amen. And so you do whatever you want to. And if you just come and inform me about something... I'll be okay, you know, fine, right? Whether I think it's right or wrong, I, I won't say anything about it because I'm not your judge. And for me to, see, I would have to usurp a position that doesn't belong to me. If you just came and say, Pastor, you know, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna go, you know, commit adultery. Okay. Well, he didn't say it was wrong. Not my job, you know? Now, if you said, hey, I'm gonna go do this, so, you know, you think it's okay, I would still hesitate to even say anything because if you've already decided you're gonna do it, you know, it's... Uh, I'm not your Holy Ghost, amen? Uh, and so uh, don't put me in that place. I had a friend of mine one time said, uh, said, if I ever do anything wrong, please tell me. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not sure. That is not, uh, that is not my job. You have the great one on the inside of you. He can tell you if you're doing something wrong. I'm not going to snoop around in your life, you know, peek in your window every night, see if, if everything you're doing is right. That would be kind of creepy, amen? Uh, and so, so let's, let's spend our time, he said, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Now he says, so, so the nice thing is we can, we can kind of short circuit a lot of the judgment that we, because we're off the stand before the Lord Jesus, right? And so if we take care of that on the earth, when we get to heaven, Jesus is like, hey, this situation, oh, wait, yeah, oh, you've already taken care of that, so we'll just go on, right? Hopefully that's, that's it's real quick, right? Because he's, he may mention it, but he's going, oh, you've already repented for that and judged yourself, so we'll, we'll move on from that. Uh, otherwise, he may, he may linger. I don't want him to linger on any, any problems in my life. Right? Well, let's talk about this thing that you did. Well, I'd, I'd just rather not. Well, it doesn't matter. We're going to talk about it. I'm the king of kings, Lord of lords. We're going to talk about it. We're going to discuss every deed done in your body, both good and bad. That's what the Bible says, right? Both good and bad. Uh, and if you judge yourself, that the conversation hopefully will be very short. Amen. Uh, and I want to shorten that conversation as much as possible. So let's go back to... to um, to uh, uh, Matthew chapter 7. And so he shifts gears about that. He talks about verse 6 there, and we could talk about that, but, but uh, you know, there are some things that he's talking about uh, not casting your pearls before the swine. There's some things you just ought not tell people. Just, you know, and that's really what he's saying is there's just, even, even, even in, um, 
uh, and ministering to people sometimes, there's sometimes you just have to move, not say anything to them uh, and just move on because in that moment of time, they may not accept anything you have to say and you have to discern in your own heart, Lord, should I say something or not say something? Uh, and so there are plenty of times when the answer is don't say anything. Uh, and that's really what Jesus is talking about, verse 6. And he gets into verse 7 and he says, uh, 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 he says, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, him that knocketh it shall be opened. Uh, and so, and we'll look at these uh, other three verses here after a while. Uh, but you think about these three verses, the, the verse 7 and 8 there. You know, these are very specific, very positive verses. You know, the, the Bible knows nothing of doubt and unbelief. It has no ability to support uh, people's uh, declarations of why they can't make it. Because it's so positive. Ask and it shall be given unto you. And yet, most people, when they read this, ask, and it's 50-50. Seek, and you know, sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some, right? Uh, knock, and you know, if the Lord, uh, if you come up to a locked door, the Lord will often give you an open window. Don't you love that one? If the door is locked, sometimes there's an open window. Is that what he said? Knock, and if it doesn't open, look for an open window. No, knock, and it what? shall be open to you. I, I, don't, I don't buy this living halfway uh, as, a, as a successful Christian. The scriptures know nothing of, of, of defeat. All the scriptures know is complete and absolute success and victory in every area of life. And, and that's the way these verses are written, asking it shall be. Uh, if we diminish the word of God by saying, you know, I asked the Lord and he, he did not give it to me, then we are rewriting what the master told us then we are saying the master told us that he would, it would happen, but it didn't happen. So he either lied or he misled us or, or he changed his mind. Well, none of those things could be possibly true. Amen. Uh, and, you know, it's really hard for me in dealing with people sometimes because people's like, well, I'm, I'm you know, talking about like forgiveness for people. I, I'm working on it. And they'll say, I just have a hard time forgiving people. And, and I just, in cases like that, I do have to bite a nail. Because I just want to shake them like a rag doll. What are you talking about? There's, the, the Bible knows nothing of doubt and unbelief. Nothing of trying. It only knows of success. It only knows if you ask, it'll be, it'll be given to you. If you seek, you will find it. If you knock, if something's in your way, it will open. There's no door that, that cannot be open if you knock on it. Well, I, I knocked. Even the Lord couldn't hear that. You'd be like, what? Did, did something happen? Maybe it's maybe just a floor creaking, right? Uh, no, it, it's, the, the Bible knows nothing of defeat, knows nothing of trying to get by. The Bible only knows about absolute, complete success in life. And we have, to, we have to line up and get our minds renewed to think like the Word thinks. If it says, ask and you shall receive, then that's what I expect. I, I'm not being rude or disrespectful or, you know, demanding the Lord does something for me, all I'm doing is, Lord, you do just what you said you would do. If I ask and you said it be given unto me, then that's what I expect. I don't expect anything more because, I mean, what else would you get more than asking and get what you, what you asked for? That'd be a pretty good deal, right? Uh, but this asking, and, and people from the pulpit oftentimes, well, well, I asked and the Lord chose not to give it to me. The only time that that would happen is, the Bible says in James, is, is if you ask amiss. Or in other words, with the wrong attitude or the wrong motive or the wrong intent or for the wrong thing. But if, see, if you, if you will live your life for the Lord, there's nothing he would withhold from you. Because when would you ask amiss? If, if he said uh, in John 15, 7, if you abide in me, my words abide in you, ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Well, then now he gives some insight about, well, how do I need to live so that when I do ask, it's always answered yes. Well, the way you live is his words abide in you and you abide in him. If you do that, so, so we have to put the whole counsel of God together, right? Because, well, then I'm going to ask for, you know, a, a gazillion dollars. Well, okay, can you spell that? And, and how many zeros does a gazillion have, right? Uh, well, see, they're violating John 15, 7. Because, first of all, they, they wouldn't know what to do with that much money. They don't need that much money. Uh, and, doesn't, and, and, and they don't really want that And they don't have the faith for that. They're, see, they think it, it's the mechanical uh, 
action of asking that is the receiving. It's not the mechanical action of asking. I said those words. It's do you believe that you're going to receive that? If you really could believe that you could get a gazillion dollars, if you ask, then, then you would get a gazillion dollars. I know that sounds facetious, but it's not. Uh, people, because they, they think, well, I just ask, and I don't have to do anything else. Well, you have to believe, right? What, what does Mark eleven twenty four say? What things ever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you'll have them. So you've got to put uh, Mark, uh, Matthew 7, 7 together with John 15, 7, with Mark eleven twenty four, and you start to get the picture that how, how do these things operate? Always by faith and with a proper and, and the correct heart. And if, you, and if you live that way, and it's easy to live that way, it's not difficult to live that way, if you live that way, then you can always ask and receive every single time, no exceptions. Is that what it says? Ask and it shall be given unto you. So there's no, there's no wiggle room from the promises of God of doubt and unbelief. There's no wiggle room for, for uh, an occasional failure. If it fails, see, if I ask and didn't receive, the first thing I do is, Lord, where did I go wrong? I don't say things that are foolish and says, well, the Lord decided not to give that to me. You know, sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, sometimes he says wait. Is that what this says? No, for us to say that is unjust to the Lord. It's judging the Lord as being unfaithful to his word. Well, the Lord said he would give if you ask, but he didn't this time, so he was unfaithful. Are you his judge? Would you, ever, would you ever say it like that? If people don't say it like that because that sounds bad, well, the Lord lied. Well, nobody would actually say the Lord lied, but they would say, well, the Lord, you know, he, his ways are higher than our ways. Don't you love that? Yeah, that means they're better than our ways, amen? Uh, and, and if he says that you'll always receive, that's a much better than, than us, amen? How many times people ask us to do things and we don't come through? Well, you know, they said they'd be there on Tuesday and they never showed up, amen? Uh, and so... Uh, these verses uh, are amazing verses full of faith. And we have the right and the privilege to live this way. Uh, and, and, you know, I wrote, uh, I mean, I've got uh, uh, just in the, all of these verses so, so many different, uh, just for asking, right? I've got uh, about a dozen verses on asking about how, what kind of things you can ask for. Uh, and, um, uh, and then seeking, right? What kind of things are you seeking? You know, sometimes you seek for things. Seeking implies that there's some effort involved, right? There's a time frame involved. And primarily, remember we read there in, in uh, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Well, is that a one-time thing? No, it's a long-term endeavor that you're emphasizing and prioritizing the word of God, the kingdom of heaven uh, for your benefit, right? For whatever that you need. Uh, and so, uh, but there are a couple things I just want to read real quick when it comes to seeking um, the, uh, the, the scriptures have a lot to say about seeking. And, you know, you can go through, and if you, if you would just uh, do a, a search on the Bible of these three words, ask, seek, uh, and knock, you'll get a lot of great insight. And, so, and that's what I did as part of the studying for this. Uh, and we're not going to go through all of it because uh, there's, a lot, there's just a lot there. Uh, but just one of them, uh, there's a parable in Ma- Matthew 13. It says uh, in verse 45, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant man seeking goodly pearls who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Uh, and so he went and sought uh, seeking goodly pearls. And he said, the kingdom of God is like that. But you've got to seek it. You've got to, first of all, uh, account it as being valuable. You know, people think, well, there's no value going to church. Like, really? Are you kidding me? You can learn how to live in complete and total victory in your life, free from sickness and disease, free from poverty and want, free from, from depression and sadness. How would that not be something you'd want? When I got saved, I started reading the Word of God. This is great. This is good stuff. And then you go to church. Oh, it's so hard. It's like, I'm like, are we reading the same book? I mean, I'm reading this. This is amazing. Ask whatever you want to, and it'll be done unto you. And you're over there groveling because whatever happened. And it's just, I don't know. There's one fellow, he had a job situation. He said, well, I'm thinking I'm going to lose my job. I might be losing my job. And just all depressed. I said, what do you want? He said, I want to keep my job. Well, then keep your job. And promise, he asked me right after service. And so sometimes, you know, in, in that particular service, there was a lot of, uh, there was a strong preaching anointing. And, and so, you know, it's, 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 you might want to hesitate asking certain questions of doubt and unbelief 
after a good preaching service because, I, you know, I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the zone. You get in the zone, it's like, well, then do, believe, you know, ask and receive. And this, this, well, I don't know. We ain't got time for, I don't know. You know, I don't know if God's going to come through or not. What in the world? Of course he's going to come through. He said he would. And so I'm thinking maybe they're reading a different book than I am. But they weren't, right? And so uh, he says, you've got to count it valuable. Is the kingdom of God valuable to you? Then seek him. Amen? Like, like, he's, like he's worth a pearl. Uh, one translation says that uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a traveling merchant buyer seeking beautiful pearls. And having found one pearl of great value, having gone off, sold all. He gave everything for the, to, to receive the kingdom of heaven as much as he was possessing, having staked all that he had in one business venture, which would either make or break him and purchase it in the marketplace. It's just a one-way street, right? This uh, walking with the Lord, to me, it's a one-way street. There's no going back, right? This, it's so valuable, I'd give up anything for it, amen? And that's what, what he said. If you, want to, if you want the kingdom of heaven, you've got to seek it like that, right? You've got to seek it with all that you, that's in you, amen? Uh, and, and, of course, like I said, we can go through a, a, lot, of, uh, a lot of other verses there. Uh, and, um, and knocking, you know, and, uh, of course, asking, you know, uh, is something that you have need of that you, that you request of the Lord, and seeking is a long-term uh, desiring to, to advance the kingdom of heaven in your life. Uh, and then sometimes we've we got to knock when there's things in the way, right? When there's an obstacle in our way, we've got uh, to go up to that locked door, and, and we've got to get through that locked door, right? There's a hindrance in our life. There's something that's going on in your life that you can't get through. And Jesus said, if you'll knock, it'll be opened unto you. But a lot of times people come up to a locked door, and they just walk, they, they tuck their tail, and, and they walk away. They, sh- they, they slink away. Uh, well, I guess the Lord didn't come through. That, that's, not, that's, not the way, that's not the way we live. Amen? And one of my favorite uh, parables of this uh, is in Luke 11. Uh, and so we'll read this parable here, and then uh, we'll have to go after this. He said in verse 5, starting in Luke eleven five, 5, he said, And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend? And go unto him at midnight. Now, you've got to have a good, big good friend to go to somebody at midnight, right? I mean, I don't know if I like anybody enough for them to knock on my door at midnight, right? And say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves, three loaves of bread. Lend me three loaves. Now, you know, it's not lending him, right? Uh, you know, so he's been a little, little uh, disingenuous. All about you ever have people, hey, uh, would you loan me a dollar? You're going to give that back to me? No. Well, you want a dollar, right? Uh, you plan to give that back? Uh, hey, can, uh, can I borrow a breath mint? I don't want it back. You can just have it. Amen? Uh, and so he said, uh, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine is in, is in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. Well, I guess, I guess, I guess it wasn't in, in God's plan for me to get it. I went and, and asked my friend for some bread, and, and he said, No, I'm not going to get up. Uh, and so I guess, I guess it wasn't God's will for me to have that bread for my, for my guest that's coming. Uh, and, and he said in verse 8, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. So uh, in verse 10, for everyone that asks, asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth to him that knocketh it shall be opened. So this is the same uh, story from Matthew 7 that we find in Luke 11, except he gives us the great parable in front of that. Uh, and, and when was the last time you used the word importunity in a sentence, right? Yeah, I'm doing some really heavy importunity right now, you know. Uh, I mean, we don't even know. What, what does that mean, right? It means shameless persistence, right, because of his importunity. He's, he's hey, I need some bread. I'm in bed. I don't care. I need some bread. Well, I'm with the kids. Shut up. Give me the bread. My friends are hungry. Uh, well, you know, it, it's late. I don't care. That's shameless persistence, right? Uh, and, and when we go to the Lord and, and we ask him for something uh, and we don't hear back from heaven, well, I guess the Lord didn't want me to have it. No, you go back, Lord. I need this. I need this now. Because uh, sometimes he's waiting to see if you're really in faith or not. Because sometimes we just like, Hey, you know, you ever had kids come, hey, I want, I want a million dollars. Like, shut up, you don't want a million dollars. Get away from me, right? And like, yeah, I, I just, I'm just messing with you, right? Some people just, sometimes they'll just ask because, you know, I had, I had a brother one time call me up and say, hey, 
can I borrow thousands of dollars? No. Well, why not? Because you don't really need it. You're just asking me to see if I give it to you. Yeah, you're right. You know, I was just messing with you. Uh, and so, uh, uh, but see, uh, now this is Jesus telling us how we should operate with him. Shameless persistence. Because sometimes people, they, they ask the Lord something and they don't hear back immediately. And they'll just kind of walk away just like, oh, I guess, you know, I guess, I guess he doesn't love me. Or I guess, you know, he loves other people more than me. They'll, 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 they'll just, uh, their feathers will fall and they won't press in. And Jesus said, you've got to press in. You've got to have shameless persistence. You don't care. Well, you need to quit asking. I will as soon as you give me the bread. Now, and, and see, when you do that, see, see now, now we've seen it in, in the negative in the old covenant when they asked for a king. They kept asking for a king. And finally, the Lord said, okay, I'll give it to you. So you've got to be careful and make sure that what you're asking is a righteous thing. Because sometimes the Lord will answer you and give you something when you know that it's not in your best interest but you're just being selfish and self-centered in that. But other times, uh, the Lord is waiting to hear faith, right? And you, you, we don't have time to go over there, but if you go over to uh, the, with the Syrophoenician woman uh, and went to the Lord, and he didn't even answer the first time. She kept back, she went back to him. Uh, and he said, yeah, I can't, you know, I'm sent to the, only to the house, lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she kept after him. He said, it's not wise to give uh, bread to the dogs, children's bread to the dogs. And she said, yea, Lord. But the dogs eat the crumbs off the children's table. And they say, all right, you can have it. Sometimes the, Lord, the Lord's going to wait sometimes to see if you're, how much in faith you want to be in. Because he's trying to, it's all about faith. It's all about trying to get you to grow in faith. And, and so sometimes he won't make it easy on you. You've got to be shamelessly persistent with the Lord. And you've got to go knock. And, and if he doesn't answer, you knock again. And if he doesn't answer, you, you, know, you don't assume, well, I guess he doesn't want to be bothered. No, you go and knock again. Because he's going to, sometimes he will wait to see how, how much in faith you want to be in. As we said, he said, but because, because of his importunity, he will rise to give him as many as he needed. Well, he's, this is the parable about the Lord, right? And you knock him with the Lord. Because he went right in after that and said, knock and it shall be open unto you. Amen. So when you go to your friend's house, you knock on the door. You know, if he comes out with, with, his, with his handgun, you say, I'll come back tomorrow. Right. Well, that's different, right? But the Lord's not going to come up with a handgun. He's going to come up with the answer. Amen? And so, so Jesus is telling us here in, the, in these discussions in Matthew chapter 7 that we need to have a bold uh, relationship with the Lord. And if we, if we have need of something, then we ask Him for something. If, if uh, we need to change something in life, then we seek Him until it's changed. And if there's obstacles in our life, then we knock until they're gone. We, we, we don't back down and we don't give up. Uh, and if we would live in Matthew 7, uh, verses 7 and 8, there, we'd have so much more success in our life. Instead of just giving up, we give up so easily, amen? Give up with just smallest little resistance, the smallest little uh, uh, downturn of anything, we just give it up. And, and that, the Bible knows nothing of giving up. The Bible knows nothing of defeat, knows nothing of not answering. All it knows is, it, it, and, and the thing about all of these three things, ask, uh, seek, and knock, who's responsible for doing that? We are. If the Lord wants me to have it, I guess he'll give it to me. That, the Lord knows nothing of that. He's like, what? I didn't say that. I said, if you ask, I'll give it to you. Well, Lord, I didn't want to ask. I don't want to bother you. I just figured if you want me to have it, you. Uh, he said earlier, he said, the Father knows the things you have need of. Ask. Well, why do I have to ask? Because he said to ask. Uh, and, and also, it always goes back to faith. He's going to always prioritize faith over everything. Do you believe that he'll do what he said he would do? Uh, and, and if you do, then you can receive all that you have needed in this life. Uh, otherwise, you're just going through life, you know, just, just whatever comes your way. If it's good, it's great. If it's not, well, I guess that's the Lord's will. No. If there's a problem, I'm going to go knock. Lord, I need to, I need to, know, what, I need to know what's going on here. I'm going to seek an answer. And there's things I've asked the Lord. It's taken me years to find answers to certain things. And, but I'll keep asking. And then many times, after years, I'll find the answer. Okay, Lord, that, that makes sense. I wish I'd known that years ago. He goes, well, if you weren't so thick, you know, you could have learned it years ago, right? That's, it always goes back to me. Uh, amen. Uh, and so can we do this? Can we live this way? Do we have a right to live this way? Well, he said to live this way. And so we should live this way. This is not hard to understand. Is asking a difficult concept? Is seeking a difficult, no, it's not a difficult concept. Right? Is knocking a difficult concept? 
Well, now, how, how many fingers should you use when you knock? Like, what, what are you talking about? Just go knock on the door. Amen. Uh, and so shameless persistence. Can we do that? Uh, I, I like that, you know, shameless persistence. That's, that's the way I'm going to live with the Lord because that's the way he instructed me to live. And so it's not, it's not disrespect to say, Lord, I want an answer. Uh, well, I'm not going to give you an answer. Well, I want an answer. Now, sometimes this answer, it's none of your business, right? If you're talking about somebody else, right? Dealing with, and, and that's an answer, right? Uh, that's the answer. And so, uh, but if, you, if it's dealing with you, you have a right to know. Uh, and Lord, why is this going on in my life? I would ask. And I would expect an answer. And I, and I always do. Every time I ask the Lord, anything going on in my life? Lord, why is this going on? Well, would you like to know? Well, I mean, it sounds a little ominous, but yeah, I would like to know, right? Well, here's why. And he'll go back, you know, uh, 14 weeks ago on a Tuesday night, you said this, and here you are today. Then, uh, then, then you can repent from that, amen? And so uh, let's do that. Let's live that way, amen? amen? The Bible knows nothing of defeat, knows nothing uh, of living below the means that the Lord has provided to us, amen? All it knows is success and victory. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for the blessings you've given to us. Father, you said in your word to ask and to seek and to knock, Father, and you will respond in a positive way in all three cases. Father, if we ask, we receive. If we seek, we find. If we knock, it's open to us. And so, Father, we will live this way. If we need something that we need to ask for, Father, our expectation is you will provide. And, Father, if if we're searching diligently for something, we will find that, Father. And if there are any obstacles in our life, we will, we will knock, Father, and the door will be opened. And if it's not open the first time, we will ask again. We will knock again. And if it's not open the second time, we will knock again, Father. We will be persistent in our faith. And so we thank you for that, Father. And we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it's, it's why, why I love the Word of God, because it's so positive. It's so, it's so specific. It's so... Uh, uh, guarantees a positive and good and a blessing out, blessed outcome in our lives. Amen. Uh, and, um, and we have a right to live that way. And, and I just wish the church as a whole, I mean, not our church, I think we do pretty good, but I just wish the church as a whole could learn this. It seems like such a foreign idea to much of the church to live this way. And yet it's all been in the word of God for thousands of years. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, well, let's get ready to receive uh, this morning's tithes and offerings. Amen. Uh, how much do you think this service is worth? <laughs> well, that's, uh, of course, we don't, we don't give for that reason, right? Uh, but just think about uh, how valuable it would be if you could live this way and change, change the course and direction of your life to live according to the Word of God, how valuable that would be, amen? Uh, you know, I've gone to lots of seminars over the years in the, in the, in the natural world and spent thousands of dollars on these things, right? And maybe get one, one nugget of truth and, and every week the Lord provides great nuggets of truth uh, to us in our lives. Amen. Uh, and so come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. And, uh, you know, I do want to thank you all for being so faithful in giving. Uh, you all are very faithful in giving uh, to the church and the ministry here. And, um, you know, we're not the biggest church in the world, but we've always been able to do everything the Lord has asked us to do. Uh, and that's because of your faithfulness in giving. Amen. Um, and um, uh, I'm always so thankful when I give that the Lord has provided uh, me and my wife with uh, uh, an income that we have the ability to give to the Lord. Amen. And it's such a small thing for us to give to him because uh, one thing I was reading in the old covenant just a few weeks ago, uh, as they were giving to the advancement of the temple for the building of the temple, uh, they said, well, Lord, everything we have is yours anyway. So we're just giving back to you what's, what's already yours. Uh, and that's a good way to think of it, right? Everything I have belongs to the Lord anyway. So I'm just giving back to him uh, part of what he gave to me. Uh, and so, Well, be blessed. Don't forget we have healing school today at 3 o'clock, and uh, you're dismissed.